0: So we are, we're in the book of Ephesians, and I, I love this book of the Bible. If you're allowed to have favorite books of the Bible, this might be one of my favorite books of the Bible. But I'm a good Christian, so I don't have favorite books of the Bible. Uh, they're all my favorite, even Leviticus. And, and so we're in this book of Ephesians, and what we've seen in this opening passage is just this beautiful poetic blessing called the Berka or something like that that Vince made us say a few weeks ago. Um, and it's just blessing after blessing, line after line about what God has done and who God is and how he loves us and how he's redeemed us and how he's adopted us and how he's forgiven us and, it's, and how, he's given, how he's sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And it's just been fun for me to just sit and hear this teaching of the word and just go, God, this is true about you. And just sit kind of through his word in the presence of God and hearing about what he's done. And so we actually ended that that passage last week. And we're moving on to today where Paul is going to pray a prayer for the church in Ephesus. And we're going to get this intimate picture of Paul's prayer for 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 the Ephesian church. And uh, his prayer essentially is just that God would move in their midst and that they would see it. That God would move in their midst and they would see it. Now, I I love seeing God move. And one of my favorite movements of God that I've been seeing is this thing on Twitter called This Is My Testimony. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but people will they'll tweet something, and they'll end it saying, this is my testimony. And all of these testimonies are centered around uh, what Chick-fil-A has done for them and how God has moved through Chick-fil-A. All right? Okay, I've never got a clap before, so disappointed that that was it. Um, <laughs> but I just want to share with you some of these tweets where God is moving at Chick-fil-A, Miley. You can pull up the first one. This is what it said. Prayed over the eight-piece Chick-fil-A nugget I bought Then opened the box and found 12 nuggets. This is my testimony. Right? Just like Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, he is multiplying the nuggets at Chick-fil-A. All right? There's a second one. You can put up the second one. I got an entire meal for free tonight in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, and I went in to offer to pay for it, and they said it was just my lucky day. Sis, that's not luck. That is my God at work, and I am putting this in my testimony. Hallelujah. Right? Right? I love these. If you can find these, you can take it down now. But if you can find these tweets on Twitter, they're, they're just they're funny and they're fun. And I put those up because it's showing people just seeing God move in the mundane things of life. And obviously they're joking. But I think it's, it kind of strikes a chord for me when I read today's passage because it's all about God moving in our lives. And I think that sometimes it's hard for me to see God move. It's hard for me to see God move. Like, I've never gotten extra Chick-fil-A and going like, this is in my testimony now, right? Like, I just don't view the world that way. Maybe I'm too skeptical. Maybe I'm cynical. Maybe it's because I grew up in churches where microphones were at the front and people could share testimonies all the time in the service. And I think there's some childhood trauma there or something going on with that. And I don't know why, but it's hard for me at times to see where God is moving. And so I'm thankful today to see Paul pray that the Ephesian church would just simply see God move, that they would see that, that God is real and that he interacts with them. So I'm excited that we get to look at this prayer today. I, there's, really, there's, there's two really beautiful things about this prayer for us today. It's, it, it's beautiful because it, it made it into God's word. It made it into the Bible. So that means that this prayer that we're going to read, even though it was a pr- prayers that, that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, this prayer is for us. I think God's word is for all people in all times in all places. And so we can read this prayer that even though Paul was praying it for the church in Ephesus, that we can apply it to our lives. And we can say, God, we need to pray this for ourselves as well. The other reason that it's beautiful is we just get to kind of see Paul's heart and, and what's really important to Paul. like We get to see this intimate prayer of a pastor, really an apostle for the church at Ephesus, and we see what's really important for him to pray. He doesn't pray, hey, God, change their circumstances. He doesn't pray, God, hey, make sure they get that job they need or make sure they get that building they need. Or they, He doesn't pray for those things, and it's okay to pray for those things. Other parts of the Bible tell us to pray for those kinds of things. But Paul, what is really important to him in this letter to the Ephesians is that they know that he's praying that they would understand more of who God is, that they would have more of God in their life. And so I'm excited to go through this prayer because I can relate to what Paul is praying here because one of my fears as a pastor is that one day I'd wake up 30 years from now and I'd walk into our church and our church would be a great moral center, a great place of people doing what Jesus said to do, but not actually know God, not actually have a relationship with God. Now, I want that for our church down the line, that we, that we would actually live out following Jesus, but I want it to be rooted in knowing God because of the gospel. And so prayers like today help us to get to see the beauties of what the gospel does, Right? Because Jesus made a way for us to have a relationship with God, we can pray prayers like this. So I don't want you guys to hear today, hey, we got to pray prayers like this, and then God is going to do these things, and this is how you get to God is by praying this kind of prayer. What I want you to hear is because of the good news of the gospel, because Jesus lived perfectly, because he died in place of our sins, and because he raised from the dead to share in eternity with us, to give us resurrected life, to defeat death and sin, because of all that, that connects us back to God. So now we can pray to God, and we have this relationship with God where God interacts with us, and he moves. Not because we pray, but because of the gospel, because of God's goodness to us. There's this relationship we get to have with God that's like a father and a son or a bride and a groom. Or even Jesus describes it as, as we're going to have friendship with God. And so I love that we get to look today at, at this friendship we get to have with God. So we're going to be looking at five verses today. And like I said, it, it's Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And so we're going to see a few different things that he prays. Really four different things. There's going to be one kind of general prayer that Paul pr- prays asking God to do something. And then out of that general thing, there's going to be three specific th- ways that, that Paul wants God to move in the church at Ephesus. And so we're going to talk about those things. And, and it's going to get weird today because at those different four different points, I'm going to have us actually stop and pray together as the family of God. And we're going to pray these things, and we're going to ask, and we're going to seek God in these ways. Because I, I really want to even just apply it right now here during the sermon time. So if that's weird for you, welcome. Uh, so let's hop into it. Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 16 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul opens up and he's saying, like, guys, because of your love, because of your faith, because of your love towards each other, man, I can't help but thank God for you guys. I can't help but remember you in my prayers. And as I just read this little little piece, this little kind of opener to Paul's um, discussion here, I couldn't help but think, man... I'm blessed that I'm in a church where I can say that to you guys. Like, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your love towards one another. I'm thankful for your hearts to know God and to love your neighbor at the same time. Like, I'm blessed that when I go down to to Phoenix and I talk to other redemption pastors, like, it's almost always just, like, good reports of just your guys' faith and love. And I just wanted to encourage you guys in that, that keep running well, church. Keep running well. Keep being a church that encourages your pastors. I might be long gone one day, and I hope that the pastors after me also would be encouraged by how you guys are walking this out. And then also be thankful for your church. Be thankful that you have brothers and sisters in here that really care about Jesus and really care about you because of Jesus. So thank you, church. So that's that's how Paul opens his prayer. Now we're gonna get into what he he how he specifically remembers them in his prayers. We're gonna to go to Ephesians verse 17 and, and the first third of verse 18. It says this that God, remembering you in my prayers, that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So Paul opens his prayer, and we get this beautiful picture of the Trinity. We get this beautiful picture of our triune God, which, again, it's a mind-boggling part of our faith, but it's a beautiful picture that's all throughout the New Testament, where where Paul says, I hope that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's confusing because he's calling God, God, and he's calling Jesus, Lord, right? We see this Trinity happening here, and then he's asking that God the Father would send the Spirit to us, So we have a Trinitarian faith where we believe that God is one, yet he's three distinct persons. And it's mind-boggling, and I think it just goes to show that God is way bigger than we can understand. And so we see the Trinity in this verse, and so he's, he's saying, God, I hope that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, you might read this, and you might read it quickly and think it's uh, Paul is talking about a different spirit or giving us the spirit for the first time, but but he really isn't. He just wrapped up in verse 14 talking about how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and so now he's asking really for an active move of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the way he wants the spirit to move in our life is, is through giving us wisdom, through giving us revelation, through giving us insight about who God is knowledge of him. And and that's how our relationship with God works. Like we always have the spirit with us, but there are different moments and times and seasons in our life where the spirit kind of fills us, not not baptizes us, but fills us in a new way or teaches us something or or something like that. And I think you see that through Acts. And so Paul is essentially saying, God, give them your spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of you, God. And then have the eyes of their hearts enlightened, right? That old Sonic Flood song doesn't seem so dumb now, right? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, right? I want to see you. Uh, sorry, I like that song. And this is, it's a biblical song because this is Paul's prayer for us. And remember, our heart in the Bible is not our emotions, it's our inner person, it's, 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 it is our emotions, but it's our thoughts, and it's our will, and it's our choices. It's like, what's going on inside? And so Paul is saying, man, will you let the inner person see God? Will you let the, the church in Ephesus, will, will you let their hearts be enlightened to you, God? Because I think Paul gets that we live in the already accomplished redemption, but the not yet secured, right? We even just talked about it. Last week, where we get this partial sealing, we get the full sealing of the Holy Spirit, but in whole, we'll get God one day. And so Paul is praying that we would, here on earth, during our life, get a deeper revelation of God, get deeper wisdom in the knowledge of Him, and have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. And this is where I want to stop here, and I want us to pray this. And we're going to put some music on in the back, Um, so that it's not awkward or anything. But this is how it's going to go. Like I'm just going to give you guys a minute or two to just pray at your seat. And you can just pray by yourself for this one and just pray, God, let me see you today. God, deepen deepen the spirit in my life or deepen my relationship with the spirit in a way that would cause me to have more wisdom about you, God, that would cause me to have more insight about you, God, that would cause me to have more revelation about who you are, God. I love in James where, where God says essentially to us, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so I hope that through, through this prayer time today that we would begin to draw near to God. Think about your heart and think about is, is, are there things in your heart or things you're allowing uh, it, inside to stop you from seeing God and say, God, will you just remove that stuff? Will you just remove that junk and still enlighten my heart? Okay, so Scott, you can go ahead. You can put the music on and I'm just going to give you guys a minute or two. Just pray that right now, and then we'll come back together. God, help us to know you more. God, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts in a way that just causes us to see more deeply who you are. God, there's going to be all sorts of things that we've heard before about you, God, and yet I think you want us to have even deeper understandings about you. So God, today as we go through the rest of this prayer, let this be a moment for us where we we get to know you more through prayer and then let also, God, be a moment where we, we pray these sorts of things in our daily walk with you, God. God, thank you for being a God who relates to us and loves us and cares for us. Help us to see you, God. Clear away anything in our hearts that would stop us from seeing you till hearts in here to be good soil for the gospel. God, we love you. Amen. All right. So that's the first Part of the prayer that that Paul that we just simply see God, that we would know God more. Alright, and, and we're gonna go into the, the next couple of verses here, and what we're gonna see is Paul's prayer for the church that they would see three things about God specifically. That there's three things in, in particular that stood out to Paul that, that he prayed for the church in Ephesus, that they would understand, and that they would grow in a deeper knowledge of, and, and that they would see. And so we're gonna see the first one of those things in in verse 18. Uh, about uh, two-thirds of the way through, so verse 18b, essentially. So having our hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So the next prayer that Paul prayed prayed was that, that the church would know the hope that they've already believed in. The hope that, that Jesus is going to return all day, that Jesus has forgiven them of their sins, that Jesus is going to make every wrong thing right, and God is going to live with us, and we're going to be his people. They already know that hope. That's part of believing having faith in the gospel. And Paul's saying, man, I want them to really know it. I want them to more deeply know this hope. I think Paul understood what it was like being human. And I think that's why he, he prays this over the church at Ephesus. I think because we live in the already accomplished but not yet fully satisfied, I think because of that, Paul knew life is, is tough here. Sometimes we just look at the brokenness around us and we get to points where we just don't have that hope in Christ that maybe we first had when we first believed. And so Paul wants us to have this hope. But then furthermore, when you look at hope in the Bible... Biblical hope is not just, not just like an eager expectation that something would happen, but it was a confidence. It was a confidence that God was real and God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And so Paul wants us to have a confidence in God, a confidence that Jesus is going to return, a confidence that we have a relationship with him, a confidence in God. And so Paul prays that we would have that hope. And I think I can relate. So sometimes I, I just look around and I, I feel hopeless. I feel like, man, God, are you really moving? And maybe this is because I grew up in the West and we we have like this postmodern society now that tries to say, hey, you don't need God, you need his kingdom, but you don't need the king, right? We have that kind of a God or that that kind of a culture right now, and it chips away at hope. And so I, I need this prayer. And then I was just looking at some statistics this week on, on depression and, and suicide and different things. And they just led me to believe that there's a lack of hope in our society. And, it, and, it, and it's growing. Here, here's some stats. 9.8 million adults, 18 or older, thought about trying to kill themselves in 2015. Of those, 2.7 made suicide plans and 1.4 made a non-fatal suicide attempt. 18.1% of U.S. adults have experienced an anxiety disorder in the last year. 6.9% of U.S. adults deal with major depression. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., 3.4% of adults experience psychological distress during the past 30 days. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. They're like at a 30-year high, and they're growing. Arizona, our state, it's the state where the eighth most suicides happen in, in all of the U.S. And I can't help but think this might be linked to a lack of hope in our society. Now, listen, mental health is complex. And it involves many things, and a lot of things are going on with that. So I don't, I don't want to just attribute all depression, all anxiety, all all of the suicide rates just because of a lack of hope. But I do think a lack of hope is at least, in part, due to some of those. Some of those numbers are due to a lack of hope. And so I think we need hope. I think our world needs hope, and the only true hope that we can have is in the eternal king of the universe to save and redeem us and fix all things. And Paul wants us to have a confidence in that. And so I want us to pray for that too. I want us to pray that we would have that sort of hope, that we would have a confidence in God. And and hear this, it's okay right now if you feel hopeless. It's okay, like, we get to that point as humans, and I want us as brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside each other and pray that God would instill that hope in us, that God would be that real to us that we have hope. And so this time, instead of praying by yourself, I'm gonna actually have you get in groups of two or three. This is, it's getting real charismatic, I'm sorry. You're gonna get into groups of two or three, and you're gonna pray with each other. And this is what I want you to do for time's sake take about 30 seconds and share where an area of life where you feel lack of hope. There's going to be a long spectrum here, right? Like, there's going to be the spectrum of, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a re- savings in retirement, right? That's, like, something I get scared about. And uh, and then there's, like, people in here that actually have, like, suicidal thoughts and, and things like that. And And so, be, be ready to be vulnerable with each other. You don't have to share if you don't want to share where you're feeling hopeless. But if you, if you could, just give a kind of general prayer uh, or a general uh, petition to the people you're praying with of, man, this is, I'm kind of experiencing a lack of hope in these ways. And then I want to say this. To those in here that are not Christians, I know this is weird, and I'm sorry, but will you humor me? Will you humor me and just begin to pray these things with us? Thank you for being here. I know this is outside of your comfort zone if you're hearing it, not a Christian, but will you just humor me and kind of just live as the family of God lives with us? And then maybe God will move in the midst of that. I hope He does. I'll pray that He does. And so take about 30 seconds each to share what's going on, any area that you feel a lack of hope. And then take another about minute each to pray for the people in your group if it's just two of you two minutes if it's three of you three minutes okay and so take some time the music's going to come back on and I'm going to give some significant time here and it's going to be a little bit awkward because it's going to be the people that you forgot their name earlier and you're gonna have to pray together okay and so if you don't want to pray uh just just try it see what it's like all right (laughs) so you can go ahead put the music on Scott God, I just ask that you would move today again. I'm asking that you would move and you would give us a deeper hope in you. God, that you would care for us and and show show us that by giving us deeper hope. God, we need it. We're, We're all just messy children who think the world is about the end, often over little things. And so God, help us to have hope. And then there's some of us in here, God, there are bigger things that, that have, have, have hurt us and, and broke us in different ways. And, and, God, I would just pray that you would heal us from that brokenness and that you would heal our hearts and you would restore our hope in you. And give us hope again, even hope towards other things here in this life. God, we, we love you. We thank you for, that you're the God who moves in this way. Amen. Or right, how was that? How was praying together? Good? If you didn't get to finish, you know, I probably cut some people off, the, the more charismatic people. Um, I uh, be, Try to pray during the response time together with those people. Be like, hey, I, I didn't get to pray for you over that thing. Uh, let me pray right now over you while we're singing and worshiping at the end of the service. And then, two. I just want those to know that if you're struggling with mental health, it, it, you have s- some dark thoughts and, and depression and anxiety, man, we want, the church wants to come alongside you. And I, I'd, I'd be willing to wager that those that prayed with you would even be willing to come alongside you. And, and so if, if you're in a dark place, find help, be vulnerable, talk to safe people um, about what you're struggling with, and, and so that we could even find resources for you as well. Okay? And so, uh, so there, there's that. Let's, let's go to the next part of Paul's prayer. It's basically the end of verse 18, or so 18c, kind of. And So he wants us to know hope, and then he wants us to know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I like to say things twice, so I'm going to read it again. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And so Paul prays that we would understand this, that we would know this. And when I first glanced over it, I thought Paul was saying, hey, help them to know all the things I just talked about in verses 3 through 14. Because there was inheritance in there and there was these riches in Christ and and all these things. But then as I looked at it closer and really as I read some commentaries, um, what I saw was it's not talking about those things. Is that we would know that God's riches, that the riches of his glorious inheritance, God's glorious inheritance is... In the saints. So so unpack that with me. God, he sees his riches. He sees his values. He sees his treasures. He sees his glorious inheritance as being in the saints. That's crazy. For for people in our tribe, us Bible people, we we seem to skip over this verse too much. That God actually values us. That he treasures us. That's crazy to me. And he doesn't doesn't treasure us or value us because we're awesome or we did something cool. He values us and treasures us just because he's the best dad ever. And he just loves us and cares for us. And so Paul is saying, man, I really want the church to get this. I really want the church to understand that their value can be found in how God looks at them, not how others look at them. And I think we really need this, church. I think most of our sin sometimes, or not maybe most, but I think a lot of our sin comes from finding our value or seeking our value in other people or things. Listen, I I can't tell you how many of you I know in here get into bad romances, shout out Lady Gaga, just because you're looking for value from somebody. Right? Like you, you just get in these relationships that are just bad for you. But you're like, I just need to find my value and love in this. I can't tell you how many, of you, how many people I know that just, they're workaholics. You work really hard, and, you, and it's because you find your value from your coworkers and your boss and what you do. Meanwhile, the rest of your family is deteriorating because you think you need all this extra money that you don't actually need. Now, I get that sometimes you got to work hard in different seasons of life because, to provide for your family, and I get that. But many of us work hard to seek value from others rather than to give value to our family. I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people in here, a lot of people ages 18 to 70, really. Well, maybe not 70, but 18 to 40 or 50 where I'll, I'll talk to you about something and we'll look at God's word together. and God's word will give us a command and then you'll say to me something like, yeah, but my mom said this. And my mom said I should do this instead. And it's contrary to God's word. And you go, but, but my mom or my dad, they said this, so I'm just going to go do this. And I'm just like, wow. And I, I, I get it. I get it. I got some of that stuff too. It's, and it's because we seek our value in our parents' affirmation of us rather than in how God looks at us, our, our true father, our true parent. And so, friends, I I I think Paul got it. I think Paul knew how hard it was to find your value solely in God alone, and how God views you. And it's because of what God has done. Even (laughs) I think Paul understood that, and I think he understood how hard it is to live in a way that to live that out. And so, I think that's why he prays that we would know that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened to what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. It's so mind-boggling to me. Like, when we sing that song, How He Loves, and it says, uh, we are His portion, and He is our prize. Whenever, like, the, when we say, we are His portion, I'm like, we're not His portion. God doesn't need anything, and that's true. But more in a more true sense, we kind of are His portion. Like, God says, we're His a glorious inheritance. And that's mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling. And so I want us to pray. I want us to pray that we would see that God values us, that God sees us as a treasure instead of um, we seeking value, our value in other things. And so we're going to take time. We're going to pray in groups of two or three again. And I just want you to share with one another again and just think through, like, man, where do I really seek value that I, I don't need to seek value? Where do I need to re- replace certain ways that I seek value with knowing that God values me and God sees me as his inheritance and a treasure okay so share take again try to take 30 seconds or less to share what where where that is and then pray together okay well you you can go ahead and put the music back on Scott and uh we'll pray for a few minutes here God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. And God, thank you that, that we are your glorious inheritance. I know it works. how it works It's because Jesus has given us his, his righteousness. And now, God, you see Jesus' righteousness on us. And so, God, help us to, to see that we don't need to seek value. We don't need to seek how others would see us as righteous. But you see us as righteous because of what Jesus did. And so, God, help us to, to be a people that, that find our value in how you look at us and not how others look at us. God, we, we love you, and we're, we're so thankful that you're this good of a dad to us. Amen. Now, before you guys feel like, oh, this, this is going to get weird, or this is weird, or, like, God should be doing something really crazy, and lightning bolts should be spelling out, like, I love you, or something like that, um, like, this, this is kind of how it looks for me when I begin to pray these types of things. Like, a few weeks ago, Vince was uh, preaching on grace, and he was just talking about this lavish grace, and, and it, it was a great sermon. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. But he read this quote that we read all the time, and shocker, it's by Tim Keller, and um, And he says this in the quote, and I've heard it before, and it says this. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And so I heard that quote for probably the 8,000th time, and in that moment, I felt like God was speaking something to me, or maybe I just made a revelation about myself, and I realized that I live in the first half of that quote, and rarely ever do I live in the second half of the quote. So I'm really good at living in the part of the quote that says, man, I'm really sinful. I'm even more sinful than I could even imagine. And yet I don't go to the second half of the quote, which is just as much the gospel, that I'm more loved and accepted in Jesus than I could ever dare hope. And so I went to Vince, and I just said, Vince, could you just pray that for me, man? Like, I I just live in that first part of the quote. I don't live in the second part of the quote. And he just prayed over me, and then I go back to my seat, and it was during our response time, and I'm singing to God, and I just felt like this thought came to mind, and I don't know if it was the Spirit or God drawing a thought out of my head, and I felt like God was saying, I love you, Anthony, because I love you. I love you, Anthony, because I love you. And and that might not be mind-blowing for you guys, and it's not really even that mind-blowing for me, because I've known that about God, but in that moment, I had a deeper understanding of how God saw me. And how God loves me and cared for me, and it's affected other parts of my life. So that's what I hope happens today. Okay, we gotta go quick. One uh, last verse here, basically, it's halfway, or maybe it's uh, halfway through 18 and, and 19 or something like that. It says, <laughs> Ephesians uh, 1 18 and 19 says, And what is, so Paul wants us to know, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? And it stops there because we're going to talk about the second half of the prayer next week. So Paul just wants us, he wants the church to know, he wants us to know that God is powerful. And not only is he powerful, it's immeasurable. His power is immeasurably great. And he is working that power toward you by his great might. Like in, in, I guess in the Greek or something, it's like Paul is like, God is powerful, and he is powerful, and he is powerful, and we need to get it. And power is really just capability, right? It's just ability. So Paul wants us to know God's capability, God's ability to work in your life, because it said, towards us who believe, So Paul wants us to know God in a real way, where power is really just the ability to change reality or to affect reality, right? And so God, Paul wants us to know that God is working powerfully in in our lives. He has ability and capability to move in our life. And I think we just need to know this, that God does move today, right? Some of us think he only moves through the words in the Bible, which I think he does move through that. Some of us think he only moves through people doing good things and love and all that, and I think he does move in that. But I think he also moves just in a real way in relationship with us. Some of us even go, Man, I know, I see God moving in other people's life, but he would never move in that way in my life. And maybe he wouldn't move that way in your life, but I think he'd still move in your life with power, with strength. And so this is the last thing we're going to pray together. and We're going to be by ourselves for this one, so not in groups of two or three. And I just want you to pray, God, help me to see your power. Help me to see your great might. Help me to see your ability to work in my life. Help me to see where you have worked your power in my life. And if, if you want to get charismatic, when you're sitting there, just put your hands out. Like almost as like a God, show me. God, let me experience it. Let me know it. Pour it on. If that's weird for you to do in your prayer life, don't do it. Just do whatever you do in your prayer life. You don't have to do it. Do what, what comes natural to you in your prayer life with God. And so we're going to put the music back on and just take a minute and just silently pray that God would, sh- would, would show you his power and his great might. God, help us to see your power. Help us to see how big you are, how strong you are, how you work towards us with your great might. God, we know these things are true about you, but I don't know if we, we understand them fully or we, or we allow ourselves to experience them if there is experience there to be had. I don't know, God, but speak to us in that and just show us who you are. Thank you, God, that you demonstrate your ability and power towards us. Amen. So today was, was kind of weird. I'll admit that. It was a little bit of a workshop, a little bit of a prayer workshop. But I think it's good for us as a church to kind of take moments and stop like this at times and, and pray. And, and here's what I want to happen to you guys. is I want your relationship with God to be so strong that no matter what's going in your life, you have Christ as your anchor. I want that for you guys. I love this story at the end of John where Jesus, he he starts teaching just these really, these things about communion. And it's really hard because he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood and people start freaking out. <laughs> right? Still, people still freak out about it. And so, like, then we, we see what happens in verse 66. And this is what I, in a way, I, this is what I want to happen to you guys. In verse 66, it says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I want your relationship so deep with God that when things come up, that you would just be like, God, where am I going to go? Like when your own flesh is saying, this Christianity thing, this is way too tough. You need to just do what you want to do. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that God guy that's too much guilt. That when your flesh cries those type of things out to you, that you could cry out to your flesh and go, where will I go? God is real. He has the words of eternal life. That when, when the world posts YouTube video after YouTube video about how God is not real, how Jesus is a fraud, and all of these types of things, that you would be able to look at what they say, and you would go, where am I going to go, though? Because I think Jesus is real, and he's not a fraud. He's the Holy One of God. Or Maybe even the enemy, maybe Satan, will say, hey, this Jesus thing is not good enough. This Jesus thing is not working out for you. There are better things that you would be able to say to them. Where am I going to go? I'm with Jesus. He is far more real than what you're offering. That's what I want for us, guys. I want that kind of a dynamic relationship with God, that that he was that real to us. So, church, I, I just want us to know that Jesus is better than anything because of the hope he's given us, because of the love we know that he has for us and because of how powerfully he's worked in our life. Let's pray, church. God, thank you that you move. Thank you that we get to take some time and intentionally seek you through prayer. God, even in our prayers, help us to seek you. I think sometimes in our prayers and what we ask for, God, are are the wrong things. And I know you're good enough to correct us and point us towards the right things. God, thank you for this prayer that was prayed 2,000 years ago that is so applicable to today. God, let us know your hope. Let us know your power. Let us know your love for us. Let us know that, that you are God and we need you. God, help us to know that because of the gospel, because of what you've done, you've opened it up that we can have a relationship with you. And so when we look at this prayer, let us see the prayer not as a way to pray to get to you, but a way to pray to have a relationship with you, God. God, we love you and we're thankful for you. Move in our hearts today. Amen.